1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. We're in the series on faith and prayer on Wednesday evenings, and there's a scripture throughout this series that we have been uh, going from, Acts chapter 17, verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. Everybody say that. Say, in him him. we live. We move, and we have our being. And so we're talking about faith and prayer because prayer is a call to fellowship with Father God. It's the opportunity to love him just as much as he loves us. How many of y'all know he loves you? And how many of y'all know he wants to spend time with you? Amen. Amen. So a prayer life should bring those who pray into vital contact with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit as we remain continually in touch with the Word. It's not just saying prayers, but meeting Him for a while and getting His mind for the day. In other words, getting His perspective, uh, His strength, His quietness, and His love. I don't know about any of y'all here tonight, but when I get done praying, I'm always charged up. I'm not depressed, I'm charged up, I'm encouraged, and I'm ready to go. And so when we meet, that's why prayer is so important. And a prayerless people, now get this, because this is the truth that a lot of people don't understand, and that is that a prayerless people have a tendency to lower the spiritual temperature of everybody in contact with them. Let me say that one more time, that a prayerless people have the ability or they have the tendency to lower the spiritual temperature of everyone in close contact with them. That's why you're not going to see me post a prayer request on Facebook. Just not going to do it. Number one, I don't need to do it. Um, But you know, you bring down the whole spiritual temperature of everything because connections matter. Everybody say, connections matter. Connections matter. You know, there's two two areas where people make the biggest mistakes. Number one, they don't remain grateful for what they have, and it ends up getting them, an ingratitude. And number two, they choose their associates poorly. And uh, there was a situation, not a relative of mine, but a relative of my wife, an extended relative who was having a situation with their uh, grandchild. And so they put that on Facebook, and they said, you know, everybody quote, you know, everybody, everybody put a scripture down for this situation, which, okay, that's better than anything, right? But what's amazing is, my wife's throwing down scriptures on this, commenting scripture after scripture. What's amazing is how many people can't even follow instructions, or how many people are so ignorant, they don't know any scriptures to say, right? And so they're all saying, our prayers are with you, our thoughts, listen, your thoughts can be with them all they, all they want, but that's not going to do them any good. What's going to do them good is the Word of God. 
And that's why connections matter. That's why your friendships matter. That's why who you connect to in the body of Christ matters. Because uh, you, want, you want to be with people that are filled with the word of God through prayer. Amen. Now, another aspect of that is that a church can't be built up spiritually without prayer any more than a believer can be built up spiritually without prayer. So let's take a moment and think about us as Faith Christian Center. All right? Well, do you all think pastor's praying? That's about half of y'all. I don't know what the other half think. <laughs> Do y'all think pastor's praying? Yes. Do y'all think Pastor, uh, Pastor Austin's praying? Yes. Do you think I'm praying? Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> but okay, that's great. That's fantastic. But what about you? Amen. See, we as the body of Christ, if we individually are spending time in prayer, then when we come together corporately, can you imagine the things that'll happen within this local body. Amen. It's the same thing with worship. You know, if you, if you come in here and worship, and that's the first time you've worshiped all week, it's gonna be a completely different type of service than if you're in your private time worshiping the Lord, and then we come in here corporately and worship the Lord. Then we're gonna see a big difference, a big difference. So even as the church is concerned, even as, a, as the church is concerned, that's, that's also one of the reasons why this church is so strong is because if you're not aware, we have our men's discipleship groups called Champion Builders Groups. And what it is is a group of six to eight guys. They, they come on either Friday or Saturday morning for 5 a.m. prayer, for 5 a.m. prayer. Amen. They're supposed Amen. to be here at 5 a.m. for 5 a.m. prayer. <laughs> That's a different story. We will, we'll, just, we'll just fly on by that. But anyways, pray individually for an hour. Then we come together, we worship the Lord, we encourage each other, and then they go off and they meet in groups and work on pastor's workbooks talking about the word of God. But see, the, the, an aspect of that is, well, why do you do it at that? Why can't you do it at 8 a.m.? Why can't you do it at 10 a.m.? You know you have more people here, you have more guys here if you did it at 10 a.m. Well, that's the whole point is, you know, You've got to change your habits and your behaviors if you want to walk in the things that God has for you. Amen. So if prayers at 5 a.m., by God, prayers at 5 a.m. And listen, when I first started working here, I am not a more I would I'm gonna say this, I was not a morning person. <laughs> Anybody else in here a night owl? I was a night owl growing up. Man, I didn't, you know, in college, we didn't start thinking about homework until midnight. You know, I mean, that was the college, that was the college thing, you know. And so uh, working here, it was a struggle for me physically to get up for 5 a.m. Now I'm a complete morning person. Now if it's 8.45, I'm looking at my watch going, when's it time for bed? Is it time for bed yet? Because my body automatically wakes up at 5 a.m. I mean, it wakes up. It just wakes up. It wakes up. But see, that's a, a habit that has been built in and it's not necessarily the time. There's nothing special about the time, 5 a.m. The reason why we do it at 5 a.m. is because it's before the day begins. Right? So see, but see, there's, a, there's another level of why we do that. We do that because if a man is going to be a man of God, he's going to be a man of prayer. 
And if a man is going to be a man of God, he's going to be a man of the word. So we put those two together, prayer and the word, prayer and the word. So imagine what we can do corporately if, if we are all building ourselves up in our prayer time. Now, ministry-wise, you know, there can be big churches based on someone's personality. There can be big churches based on someone and how they preach. But a, a spiritually powerful church is a church of prayer. Everybody say a church of prayer. Because we can talk about prayer, we can sing about prayer, we can all agree that prayer is a good thing, but until we take what? Action on prayer, we won't see the results. And God's people can be educated through the word of God so their prayers will prevail. How many of y'all want your prayers to work? Amen. You think I'm going to show up here at 5 a.m.? Just No, we're going to work to get answers. To get answers. How many of y'all like to get answers to your prayer? Amen. Now, this is, this is why most of the body of Christ, I shouldn't say most, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know the percentage of. But their concept of prayer is so far off because their concept of prayer is, well, let's just throw it up there and see if God answers. No. The biblical concept of prayer is I'm in prayer to confess the word and to get the mind of Christ on every situation. And I'm in prayer to let the Holy Spirit speak to me so that if there's something that I need to change, a words, words I need to change, actions I need to change, or if I need to be warned about something coming up, then the Holy Spirit of God can actually warn me about that. That's the power. Everybody say, that's the power. So why doesn't, why doesn't prayer work for everybody? Well, one reason why is because of lack of faith. A lack of faith. A lack of faith. You can pray in unbelief. Anybody in here ever prayed in unbelief before? God bless y'all. Y'all are really good prayer people. <laughs> this is a refreshing course for you tonight, right? You can pray in unbelief, and it's not going to work. That's right. I worked for a denominational church my first year at SMU because I just wanted to get a job. Because I was, uh, you know, when you get to college, you're not in class nearly as much as you are in high school. So there's a lot of free time. When there's a lot of free time, there's a lot of trouble time. There's a lot of trouble time, you got to get busy time, right? And so I, was, I, I saw an ad for this, this, this denominational church that was two minutes down the road. Very, you know, SMU's in Highland Park, very wealthy park. This was a very wealthy church. And there was a guy that worked there that was an older gentleman that had been studying theologically in Germany. This guy was super smart. I mean, super smart. And he befriended me, and he was nice to me. And he, I think he was more curious. The more he got to find out what I believe theological, he was more curious than anything. But we, we, there would be these, these basketball leagues. And so we would have to referee these adults. That's why we don't have basketball leagues. It's, 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 it's worthless. But anyways... So before the prayer, we were, praying, we were praying for him because he had brain cancer. And man, the way they prayed made me so angry because their prayer was, Lord, if it's your will, heal him. If it's not, we know at least you can take him in peace. Man, I wanted to scream. Wow. I wanted to take a basketball and throw it at every single one of them and say, just shut your mouth. 
Now, it wasn't my place because I wasn't a part of that church, you know, and I want to be an asset everywhere I go. But that's a prayer of doubt. Everybody say, that's a prayer of doubt. Do you think that prayer got answered? No, it didn't. So you got to have a prayer of faith. But most reason why people can't have prayers of faith is because their faith, they don't have enough, enough knowledge of the word of God. That's why we pray the word. That's why we confess the word, because that's where faith comes from. Another prayer problem is whether or not the believer understands his or her ability to stand in the Father's presence without any sense of guilt, condemnation, or inferiority. This is huge. This is huge. Okay, well, let's take an example. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Let's take an example. Remember, a pastor's been saying how that these truths are simple, but they're not easy, and people are looking for easy. All right, so let's take a truth. Let's take a truth and see how it applies to this issue of people in prayer because they are walking in a sense of condemnation or they're walking in a sense of guilt or they're walking in a sense of inferiority. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man, if who? Any man. Are you an anyone? Yes. Therefore, if any man be what? In Christ. Be what? In Christ. In Christ. You know, we have a terminology we use, for, you know, especially for little kids. Have you asked Jesus into your heart? Well, obviously, that doesn't mean you ask him into that muscle that's pumping in your body. What we're talking about is, are you in union with God? Are you in union with Christ? So when we talk about, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it means they are in union with. They're in relationship with. They're in agreement with. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a what? He's a what? He's a new creature. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're a new creature. creature. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're you're just a creature. No, don't say that. Say (laughs) (laughs) Just say, say, you're a new creature too. He is a new creature. The old things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things are become become what? New. New. Everybody say they're new. Now notice the new creation man is in Christ, and notice the new creation man is a new species, not a renovated. Not a renovated. This time last year, we were renovating this building. This time last year, if you came on a Wednesday night, they had torn up all the tile in the fellowship atrium, and they were beginning to lay new tile. That's not what happens when you become a Christian. We're, we're about to build, we're going to build phase two. That's a new building. Everybody say a new building. A new building. Right? So in Christ, you become a what? A new creature. Or the NIV says a new creation. A new creation. Tell your neighbor, say, you're a new creation. Okay? So if that's the case, if that's the case, the new creation man has received into his spirit man the life and nature of God. Everybody say, I have received received in my spirit, man, man, the life life and the nature of God. God. Okay, so here's, here's the deal. If we are new creations, how come we don't act like new creations? If we're new creations, how come we don't walk like new creations? 
Why are you walking like your bad old self? You're a new creation. Tell your neighbor, say, you're a new creation. You're a new creation, and you have this new what? Nature. There is a series that Pastor, I think he's done a couple times. Well, I've been here for a few years, but he's done it a couple times over the years. And as a young man, it really marked me on Wednesday nights because we used to have youth group on uh, Friday evenings, so we'd always be in the Wednesday night service. But he did a whole series on 2 Peter chapter 1. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, it talks about participating in the divine nature. You ought, to, you, ought to do, you ought to read 2 Peter chapter 1. You ought to look at it because it talks about adding things to our faith. One of those things is excellence. Pastor's got a book out there, The Spirit of Excellence, a little book, The Spirit of Excellence, that talks about that. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says that these things, when you add these qualities to your life, will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Christ. So you're telling me it is possible to be ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Christ. And the Bible would say a resounding yes. That's right. So what we're doing here is we are changing, transforming our minds, transforming our perspectives, transforming the way we see things so that we are not ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of Christ. And one of those things is walking like what you are considered in the kingdom of God, which is a new creation, a new you, a completely different you, a completely different you. Old things are what? They're passed away. The old things are are spiritual death. What you did when you were in union with Satan in that sinful nature. The sins committed while he was spiritually in union with the adversary, the devil, they are all remitted. A new self has been given to him. The old self, the old man stops being for the old self or the old man is called and cannot live in Christ. Therefore, if anyone, any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So, this changes the way you pray. I said, this changes the way you pray. You pray with confidence. You pray with you realizing that I have the ability of God on the inside of me. There's a situation going on in my own life. A relative in my, in, my, in, my, in my own life. And man, I tell you what, I tell you what, I know it's taken care of. I know it's taken care of. I, it's, it's, I, I mean, when I pray for this situation and when I'm confessing the answer to this situation, there is a confidence that comes out of my spirit, man. I can't get worried about it. I can't get upset about it. I can't. I can't because I have confidence. I know it's done. I said, I know it's done because we are not facing the situation as the world faces the situation. We are not facing the situation like anybody else. 
I am facing this situation as a new creation in Christ Jesus. And when I, have, when I face the situation as a new creation in Christ Jesus, it changes everything. I said it changes everything. See, I, I am a product of the divine nature that God has given Aaron Wood the ability to participate in. He has given Aaron Wood the ability to participate in. I am created in Christ Jesus. Anybody else created in Christ Jesus? I am born from above. I'm not born from this world. I am born from where? Above. Look at John chapter 3, verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3. In talking about the kingdom of God, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. What is he telling us? The truth. No one, no one, no one, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. I know the world makes fun of this. I know the world laughs at this. Are you one of those born again? Absolutely. That's why we have altar calls. That's why we, that's why we, we, we get people to act on that decision to become a part of the kingdom of God or to be born again. The literal Greek reads it this way. Answered Jesus and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone not be born from above, he is not able to see the kingdom. Everybody say, born from above. Born from above. So we are new creations because we're born of the Holy Spirit through the word. Everybody say, I am a new creation, born of the Holy Spirit through the word. Say that one more time. Say, I'm a new creation, born of the Holy Spirit through the word. Okay, so this new creation, this new being, this new you stands uncondemned and reconciled before Father God. Uncondemned and reconciled in your relationship to God the Father. Well, yeah, but growing up, we did this. You weren't living for God when you were growing up. Yeah, but I'm not used to this. Get used to it. Get used to the blessings chasing you down. Get used to walking in the divine health that God has intended. Get used, tell your neighbor, say, get used to it. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 states it very clearly. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. For who? Us. For who? You can even write your name right in there. Amen. God made him who had no sin to be sin for Aaron. Did you know that's what it said in your Bible? That's what it says. For Aaron. Why? So that. So the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ has been so cheapened in the body of Christ, the modern church. It's not just about staying away from hell. Praise God 
that I don't have to go to hell because he went to hell for me. But that's just the beginning. God made him to be sin, what? For me, so that, everybody say, so that, so that we, we, everybody say, me, me might, become might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so this is the perspective that we pray from. Amen. This is the perspective that we pray from. You can't dishonor God by believing him. Amen. It honors him. It actually does the opposite. I mean, when I was, when I was getting ready to come out here, I, mean, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, I don't know why my people won't act like new creations. Because you're a new creation. So act like it. Talk like it. Pray like it. Live like it. The moment we become new creations, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if you don't know what the definition, here's a great definition of the righteousness of God. E.W. Kenny gives this great definition it means the ability to stand in the Father's presence. Praise God for that. Amen. I said, praise God for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of y'all are glad for the Father's presence? Amen. The ability to stand in the Father's presence, all right, that's great, without, everybody say without, without. any sense of guilt, condemnation, or inferiority without any sense of guilt condemnation or what inferiority. inferiority and to be honest that's where most of the body of Christ lives tonight they have an inferiority complex when it comes to God they love him they love him they serve him but by God they're not going to ask him because they don't think that's appropriate. You ever been around kids before? Do they care? They don't care. Anybody with kids know that if you come home and you got, you got a bag of food, you better have a, some food for them. Because they don't, they, don't, they don't mind asking you, where's mine? Right? Where's mine? And they don't care. We had some, some uh, nephews and nieces over a, a while back, and, and I'm sitting there. I'm eating my dessert, my dessert, my dessert, <laughs> my dessert. And my cute little niece comes up to me, and she smiles. She goes, where's mine? <laughs> and I thought, uh-oh. I should have eaten this in the other room. They have no inferiority complex whatsoever. But a majority of Christians today have an inferiority complex because they refuse, and that's what it really is. They refuse to ask God. They think it, they're being humble by not asking God. They think it's not appropriate to ask God. They think that if God wants to do it, he'll do it, which is totally not even biblical Totally not even biblical. I mean, I was just reading the story of Hezekiah. 
And Hezekiah, you know, Isaiah comes in and tells Hezekiah, you know, man, it's, it's over. And Hezekiah turns in his bed and begins to pray to the Lord. And before Isaiah can even get out of the he even can get out of the room, the Lord stops him and says, I've heard Hezekiah's cry. Go back and tell him this. I mean, when you begin to operate and having the confidence in the word of God to pray the word of God and to live out the word of God like you are a new creation in Christ, you'll begin to see God move more in your life than you've ever seen before. But see, this is what you're going to have to deal with. This is what you're going to have to, you're going to have to train your mind. You're going to have to train your life that I'm living as a new creation. So everybody else goes over here. I'm going to my father. Everybody else is freaked out over here, but my father's not freaked out, so I'm not freaked out. Everybody else is, is crying to this. They're crying to this, or they're crying to that, and you know what? It's not going to work. Everybody say, it's not going to work. How about this? I read this in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 15 today. They worshiped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. Oh my gosh. That's God speaking. They worshiped worthless idols, so what? They became worthless themselves. But I don't worship worthless idols. I worship what? The living God. Everybody say, the living God. So we have the ability to stand in the Father's presence without any sense of guilt. Any sense of what? Guilt. Now that's hard. That, that, this, is, this is simple, but it's not always what? Easy. And I think it was God's plan to use Saul turning into Paul to really illustrate this point. Because if anybody had a guilty conscience... It would be Paul. I mean, to command people to be killed because they're Christians, and now here you are going around, and Jesus comes to you himself and says, why are you persecuting me? So don't you think he had to deal with that sense of guilt or condemnation? Absolutely. But Paul, he says, I, what? In Philippians, he says, I I forget what's behind, and I strain towards what's ahead. I press on for the prize for which Christ is calling me heavenward in Christ, or God is calling me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, I, I'm out of all that because I'm pressing on to the prize because I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. So whereas in the past, I would try to manipulate people or manipulate things to make it happen, now I'm a new creation, so I go to my father instead. I go to my father instead. So when we are born from above, we become in that moment sons and daughters of God. Sons and daughters of God. Everybody say, I'm a child of God. God. Now, we say that 
But the world, Satan has done a good job of cheapening that phrase. Because, you know, then you hear, we're all God's children. Well, no, we're not. No, we're not. I mean, yes, it's true. Did God create everyone? Absolutely, 100%. But when we're talking about the kingdom of God, the only way you're a part of the kingdom of God is if you are born again. It's the only way. It's the only way. It's, I know some people are confused by this, but it's the only way. It's the only way. So that's a big deal to be a child of God. Tell your neighbor, say, that's a big deal. It would be abnormal if he could recreate us, give us his very own nature, and then leave us under the curse of condemnation or unable to stand in his presence without any sense of guilt or inferiority. I mean, this is what people, people think that God is the meanest being in the universe. I mean, does Philippians 4.19 not say my God shall supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I mean, does it say it? Yes. Everybody have that in your Bible? Yes. Now, it would be mean for God to say that, give you his nature, and not give you the ability to operate or participate in that nature to see that promise come to pass. Yes. He's not that way. He's not that way. He's not that way. I was speaking to a group of teenagers and, and this, this one got upset at me because I, I made the statement that, you know, when you're walking with God, there's no confusion because, you know, God will make it very clear to you. God will, God will show you the way. Well, after I got done talking, they, I got a, they go, I got a question for you. I go, sure, what's up? He goes, you know, so you're saying that if I have confusion, that I'm not really walking in faith. Well, yeah. I mean, I explained to him. I said, I said, let me, let me, let me explain it to you this way. If you serve God, and God is revealed in the word of God, it's very simple. He makes himself very open. We read it Sunday. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will what? Fine. That doesn't sound like confusion to me whatsoever. It doesn't sound like confusion to me. But see, this person had been taught religiously that if you're confused or doubting, it actually means you have more faith because that means you're actually wrestling with the things of God. No. How about accepting and acting on the things of God? Amen. Right? Amen. How many of y'all know we ought not be confused about the will of God? Amen. Now, I don't know everything. I don't know everything about everything about my life, but I know this. I trust him, and when he needs to tell me, he tells me, but I'm not confused. Amen. Tell you never say, I'm not confused. Amen. Right? Why? Because we walk in this relationship with our Father. We are new creations in Christ. We are now in Christ Jesus, and now we have the ability to stand in God's presence free from all sense of guilt or unworthiness. Free, free, free from it. Everybody say, free from it. Free from it. How does God take a seed 
of faith and make it move a mountain? I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no idea, but I know it works. I said I know it works. Yeah, but I haven't done enough of this. I haven't done. Listen, get out of the guilt, 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 get out of the guilt. And especially now with all the social media, it's worse. You know, even in the book of Galatians, it tells you not to be envious. Do not compare yourself to other people. Do what God has called you to do. And the problem with all this stuff is everybody's like, you know, I, I should be doing more of this. I should be doing more. Listen, if you should be doing more of something, the Holy Spirit will tell you. We live in a guilt-free zone. I learned this from pastor. I learned this from pastor. Because people, especially in the ministry, they will try to throw guilt trips on you. Well, how come we're not doing this? Or how come we're not doing that? Well, I'll tell you why we're not doing that. It's because there's one of me and there's 24 hours in a day and there's seven days a week. Not only that, that's not what God has called us to do. And I learned from pastor that when people try to throw, you know, there was, this, there was a situation years ago and this guy came up to me. He goes, I think, I think we should all receive an offering for this person who's going through this, this challenge. And were they going through a challenge? Yes. And my reply to him was very simple. Look, brother, if God has put something on your heart, don't put it on my heart. Do it. We need to get everybody, no, how about you, how about you obey? Because if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in the body of Christ, everything's going to work out. But this whole sense of, and, and pastor, pastor, I've heard pastor say, up here, I've heard pastor say behind the scenes, look, if the Holy Spirit doesn't tell him, or if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict him, he doesn't feel guilty about it at all. Because there's no guilt in the body of Christ. Everybody say, no guilt. no guilt. There's no guilt in the body of Christ. We're not walking in guilt. We're walking in freedom. In freedom. So we have that legal right to enter the Father's presence because we are legally born to his family and he has legally adopted us and accepted us as sons. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit himself does what with our spirit? What does he do? Testifying. What's testifying? Proclaiming, right? Telling, telling, telling. Why does the Bible talk about how the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children? Because we need to be reminded on a consistent basis. And when you pray in the word of God and in faith, the Spirit of God will remind you that these are yours. Amen. These are mine. These are mine. These are mine. These are mine. Not because of anything we've done. Not because we deserve it. Not because we've earned it. But because Jesus became sin for Aaron Wood. So that Aaron Wood can pray, not in doubt, not in unbelief, not being sure, not in confusion, but Aaron Wood can, can pray with confidence and I can proclaim the word of God 
and I've got the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ on my side, and I am lining up with him, and so when I am speaking, I am speaking with confidence. Well, that's a whole different way to pray. That's a whole different way to pray. To pray with confidence. To pray with confidence. So we're speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word. And as you speak the word, you get stronger and you get stronger and you get stronger and you get stronger and you get stronger. Amen. And you got that knowing. You got, you got what Abraham had. What did Abraham have? He knew that God had power to do what he had promised. So Abraham called things that were not, that are not as though they were. How could he do that? Because he prayed in faith. And that's an Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. Romans chapter 8, we just read. We have the Spirit of God testifying with our spirits that we are children of God. So when you come before him in the morning, when you come before him whenever you pray, that Holy Spirit sinner telling you, you're a child of God. 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 Come on, ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Believe him. Believe him. Receive from him. Receive from Reminding you that healing is yours. That prosperity is yours. That wisdom is yours. That protection is yours. Because you're a new creation. Everybody say, I'm a new creation. Everybody say it one more time. Say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. How many of y'all believe that tonight? Amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.